tonight, Lord, in our communion time together on this special day. Amen. Amen. Everybody said amen. amen. Hallelujah. Let's give God praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you blessing, honor, and praise. Hallelujah. You may be seated in his presence. And this, as you know, is a very special day. Uh, week that July 4th falls on the Lord's Day. Looking forward to tomorrow. But we get a head start tonight uh, on this day when our Declaration, was, Declaration of Independence was signed on July 4th, 1776, for our nation to be free. And today on July 4th, tomorrow July 4th, we are celebrating the 234th birthday of our nation. I'd like to put on the screen a quote from uh, wallbuilders.com, who is just standing for our nation and righteousness. And it's a little long, so I put it up here because I want you to be able to see what it said. Uh, I kind of wish that during the, the, the dance we could have had words up there, but you had to watch them. It's, to choreography that whole thing. I thought it was tremendous. But uh, this quote, I felt I want to start my message tonight. 234 years ago, 56 founding fathers pledged their lives, their fortunes, and sacred honor, putting literally their lives, their monies, their reputation on the line. What for? To guarantee freedom for future generations. We have that because tonight. Because of their sacrifices, America is still the longest ongoing constitutional republic in the history of the world. This is a blessing that we take too often for granted, I'm, I'm sure, in our nation. Typical Fourth of July celebrations include cookouts, fireworks shows, days at amusement parks, any other number of, it says, frivolous activities, things that we're out doing for fun. However, when our fathering, founding fathers reflected on what they felt should be the coming 4th of July, celebrate what they might uh, look like, what they should look like. John Adams said, it should also be a day when we remember God's hand in deliverance and a day of religious activities where we commit ourselves to him in solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. Amen. That's what was said, that we might devote ourselves back to him with our acts of devotion to God Almighty. And I think the importance of remembering God's hand, even in American independence, was passed down from generation to generation. I'd like to read from John Quincy Adams' famous 1837 oration, where he reminded Americans, he said this, the birthday of our nation is indissolubly linked with the birthday of the gospel dispensation. The gospel in this age means that. Declaration of Independence laid the cornerstone for human government upon the first precepts of Christianity. Laid upon the first precepts of Christianity. I don't know if our legislators know that today or not, but I think I want to. We need to, to reinforce that. In your Bible blog, in the bulletin uh, today, I, I recommend at the bottom here suggested reading this book by Peter Marshall. And many of you, I'm sure, are fully, he was a, his father was the late U.S. Senate chaplain for many years. His mother was the best-selling author in Catherine Marshall. He wrote it with David Manuel, uh, The Light and the Glory. I don't know if you've read this or not, but I would highly recommend it because this book traces the history of our nation from 1492, when Columbus discovered America, to the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And it asks the question, 
Did God have a plan for America? I think we need to answer that question today. People need to know, did God have a plan for us? On the back of the book, it said, America, America, God shed his grace on thee. One of the songs we sing. Uh, did Columbus believe that God called him west to undiscovered lands? Does American democracy owe its inception to the handful of pilgrims that settled at Plymouth? It indeed was a specific divine call upon this nation. And he asked, is it still valid today? God called our nation into existence. Is it still valid uh, today? And through research and quotes from people involved at the time back then, this book demonstrates that our nation was founded upon godly principles and for godly reasons, no matter what you hear by the philosophy of today, godly principles for godly reasons. I realize that this idea that truth has been put down, changed in more recent times uh, with our secular approach to education, teaching of our children in school these days, and so on. We need to get back and stand because the fact still remains. And this book verifies the truth of why and how our nation was uh, started, was founded. Also in the Bible blog, there's a whole list of um, this American Heritage Service, 10 DVDs that are available for checkout in the uh, book and tape center in the, in the lobby that demonstrate our history as a nation. I listed here for you the 10 subjects. I want you to be aware of it. You can check out these uh, DVDs, and you feel free to check them out. Uh, this is just for your information and know what is there. Um, that our nation was founded upon godly principles. There was another DVD that's out there that can be checked out called The Foundation for American Government. It's only 24, inch, 40, uh, 24 inches, 25 minutes long. But it really demonstrates that the current separation of church and state is something never intended by the founding father. It makes a case for that. It surveys the historical statements or records around the original draft of the First Amendment and shows what happened dramatically in 1962 court when uh, people rejected the founders' intent, changed our law, and so on. I think it's very interesting. Even prayer meeting this morning, one of the men mentioned uh, this all changed in 1962. I was glad to see that they, they actually knew about that. But this gives an overview of the, the, the founders' understanding of the First Amendment. I think it would be really great if we were up on this and really knew what they were. So those are out there can be picked, uh, checked out any time. I say just check out one at a time so other people can get them too. One of them's already checked out and gone here. But this is for your information. I put it in here so that you can be fully informed with the facts and uh, the principles upon which America was, was, was founded. No matter what the politically correct uh, agenda is for uh, the times in which we live, we need to protect the future heritage for our children. We need to protect for the next generation what God has given to us. And one example that is, uh, in, actually the book here starts out with the quote from Christopher Columbus, uh, as it came to discovered America, I've verified this and, and read it in several different different sources. Quote from himself, uh, from Christopher Columbus, uh, said he wanted to live up to his name Christopher, which meant Christ bearer. And I want to read this quote to be on the screen for you. It was the Lord who put in my mind. Notice what 
Columbus said before he came to America, I could feel his hand upon me. The fact that it would be possible to sail from here to the Indies. And who, and who heard of my project, rejected with laughter and ridiculing me. It tells a story in here. There's no question that the inspiration was from the Holy Spirit. To have people that say these people weren't really religious or weren't really born again Christian. He said, well, it just goes on, he says, because he comforted me with the rays of marvelous inspiration from the Holy Scripture. Columbus said, I'm the most unworthy sinner, but I have cried out to the Lord for grace and mercy, and they have covered me completely. For execution of the Indies, I did not make use of intelligence, mathematics, or maps. It is simply the fulfillment of what Isaiah had prophesied. And referring to the prophecy of Isaiah that said, the light has come and the glory of the Lord is to be shown in all the earth. He really believed that. And that's what he said. He said, no one should fear to undertake any task in the name of our Savior if it is just and if the intention is for the pure, purely for his holy service. So wrote uh, Columbus. And his goal as he traveled to find America, and I've read it over and over in different places, was to take the gospel to the heathen that land that that uh, were in distant lands to make sure the heathen heard the gospel, and uh, that's why this all started. If we go back to the 1600s, men and women, as you know, if you study your history, were oppressed by the state church and the government in Europe went from country to country, uh, from England, Holland, and so on, looking uh, for for freedom. Didn't find it, so they left for the, the New World. They landed on the East Coast, November 9th, 1620, Massachusetts. And uh, after sailing for 66 days uh, to come to the New World, what they were doing, they broke with the tyranny, the persecution of the past. Colonies were eventually founded. They fought the Revolutionary War and won their freedom and independence. The Declaration of Independence was signed on this day in 1776. That's the foundation for the day. Spiritually tonight, I'd like to make a parallel between that and the cross with our new beginning in life. We have been set forth from the tyranny of the past. We have come out from under what we could not have into the freedom that the Lord has for us. And light and glory I want to recommend, but I want to say this book, the Bible is our Declaration of Independence. It is our document of freedom. John 8, 36 says, Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That same chapter, a few verses before, says you should know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Pilate said, What is truth? When Jesus was on trial. Jesus had already answered that in John 14, 6. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and the truth, he, the Son, shall set you free. Free. But now, years later, century, hundreds of years later, there's a continual battle going on to rescind our freedom spiritually, religiously, even personally. I want to thank God we can still meet openly freedom. But there are more and more restrictions being, being proposed, uh, coming into there are things we can't do. I've tried to point out whenever I could, there are things people can do in other countries that we can't do in our nation. You cannot do in our nation what I have seen people do in India preaching the gospel or what you see in Budapest 
That, that is just amazing. And there's a battle going on in our nation to take away liberties and, and freedom. And in the spiritual world, I believe there is a battle to bring Christians back into a world of bondage. I'm not talking about politically now. I'm talking spiritually, bondage to the old life, that instead of our freedom, we would get back under the world, the flesh, and the devil, where they sing the saying the chains have been broken and we've been brought out from underneath that. The book of Galatians was written to the early church by the founder of the Galatian church, which was the Apostle Paul. He wrote to the Galatians in Galatians 1.6, I am shocked, one version says. Another version says, I'm just amazed that you have so soon removed yourself from him that called you to go to another gospel, which the next verse says, which is not another gospel, but there are those who would pervert the gospel of Christ. In other words, I just am shocked that you left your freedom in Christ and turned to invent another gospel. There are people that are leaving the freedom in Christ for religiosity or just their own philosophy, their own way of life. They make up their mind what they're going to be. He says, oh, foolish people, Galatia. I'm shocked that you could do this. He says in chapter 3, Who has cast a spell over you? Who tricked you? Who bewitched you that you now do not obey the truth? We should say that to America today. Verse 3 of the same chapter, How foolish can you be after starting your Christian lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Who saved you, he asked them. Do you saved by the Spirit or yourself? Now, why are you trying to be saved by yourself when it was the Spirit that saved you? And we as Christians need to hear the message because God saved us by His grace, by His work. And I think we need to not be trying to make it on our own, trying to figure out how we're going to do it, but we need to, to, to really walk in the grace that saved us. First point I'm trying to make is this. We in America, our government... Our Congress, Supreme Court, we're trying to make changes in our, in our liberating documents today. Constitution, we're trying to change it. Declaration of Independence, that's point one. We're doing that in America. My point tonight is point two, that often in our lives, we go to another gospel. We try to work it ourselves. Oftentimes in the church, for us as Christians, we're trying to make Christian, uh, changes in our liberating document, which is our guarantee of freedom, our deliverance in Christ. The chains are broken, we saw on the screen tonight. Amen? And I want to say that I personally, I just want to say, I personally have a huge problem with the whole revisionist history type of thing. People who want to rewrite history to fit their thinking from a later time period. What does that mean? It means they apply the thinking of today to the facts of the past and come up with a different answer. In other words, they place our modern mind into the mindset of people back when they wrote the Declaration of Independence. Well, this is what they meant. No, you don't know what they meant, so get the books and study what they meant. I personally, I'm a purist, and I can speak from history. I speak about this, and I'm passionate about it. I have a master's degree in history from Northeastern Illinois University, and I can't stand it when people rewrite history to match their opinions instead of what really happened. 
whether it's with the American Revolution and what happened at the beginning of our country, whether it's with the different world wars and the new theories that are coming out for that, or whether the Holocaust for the Jews really happened. I actually heard somebody on TV this past week deny that the Holocaust could have happened. Come on. We have no right to change history. And I tell you, the Supreme Court, the justices seem to be doing that with our Constitution, what they're giving a different meaning than the original intent. And I want to say we need to pray about the, about the appointment of this next judicial judge. We really need to pray. I've been following it. And, and it depends on whether we're liberal or conservative. And, and the whole thing is getting us to move in direction that God, I don't think, intended this nation to go and we've watched judgment come on Israel, and I don't want to see God's back turn upon us. We need to live in the light and the glory, as was stood by Isaiah's words that, that Columbus took, and so on. Our school boards today are doing with the law, and not allowing things in our school. Not going by history, not going by tradition, but by the mind of modern man who has forsaken the old paths, the facts that our nation was founded upon because they were founded upon godly principles by people that wanted freedom to worship God. And we're changing that in our nation. And we're even trying to change in the church what the old book has to say. Preach what people want to hear. Uh, we've got away from the old-fashioned gospel that, that salvation is by the blood of Jesus who died on the cross. I, I've heard of a, a large mega Spirit-filled type church that said, we're not going to mention the blood anymore because it's offensive to people. Come on. This is the Word of God. Let's not change the Word of God like they're trying to change history. Jesus said, I will give you freedom. I am come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Amen? That's what Jesus said. The Bible says he came to set us free from the law of sin and death. We need to be free from that. And whosoever the Son sets free is free indeed. That is our freedom in Christ. And we do, we do not need revisionist Christians with a new gospel. Even as we're trying to adapt our methods and our life to reach the world in which we live today. And I know that we need to be contemporary, and I'm all for that. We're seeing changes in our church, and that's fine with me. But it has to be done without compromise. Contemporary, yes. Compromise, no. And I think we need to hear the preaching about the cross and the blood and the power of Jesus that can wash away our sins and make us new creatures in Christ Jesus. Something is wrong when a country like Hungary that was closed to the gospel within our lifetime can begin to have that many young people singing in the streets that chains are broken while we are wandering around and say, put us back into bondage like the Galatians. Don't. You're going to say, boy, Pastor Mel is really mad tonight. No, I just really want us to stick with our, God's given us a great nation, and we're wrong to let it go down. In a moment, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper on this special day of freedom. He came that we might be set free. And Jesus said, as often as you do, it's on the front of the table, this do in remembrance of me. We sing, we honor the Lord. We give honor and glory. He said, remember me. Remember me and my words and do them. We cannot change the message by which we are saved. Don't find another gospel that's more palatable 
and less offensive. This table, for us as Christians, is our monument to freedom. We're set free by the power of Christ. We're delivered by the blood of Jesus. Freedom in Christ who took our place in death. He died. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. Our sin equals our death as a penalty for that. He died because he took our place. Without any sin, he had no sin of his own to die for, so he became our substitute. Let me take your place, put your sin, place your sorrow, put your sicknesses on me. I will carry as much so that God had turned his back and it became dark as he had the weight of the world laid on his shoulder and he himself died for us. And tonight, before we partake of communion, I want to put on the screen up here my conclusion. Number one, always, I'm saying to us as Christians, always stay at the foot of the cross. It's never lost its power. Number two, return often to the blood of Jesus to cover, wash away our sins, wash you afresh. Just keep returning back to the presence of God. Number three, as Christians, pick up your cross daily. Shoulder our cross. Let's walk with that burden on us. Follow him in discipleship. Number four, after that, let's tell others. Tell others why they need what only the cross can provide for them. There's a verse in Colossians 1.20 that says, And having made peace to the blood of his cross, by the blood tonight we have peace from God, by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by him, everything can be reconciled to him. And uh, I'll stop my tirade, but I'm just really upset that everybody in our nation is leaving him out, and we're going to do it by this law. We're going to make that prince. We're going to follow this way. We're going to go by this philosophy. And I want to say, by him, all things, whether it's in earth or in heaven. Amen? Number five, remember. Remember this. Without a cross, we have a useless and a dead religion. It's dead without him. In a moment, I'm going to ask Leanne to come back to the piano and sing an old song we're going to sing in just a moment. Jesus, keep me near the cross. And I want you to remember as we're singing this, these five points, always stay at the foot of the cross. Don't leave our message. We're saved by the cross. Return often to have yourself cleansed. He said, every communion service, examine yourself. Be cleansed from everything by the blood of Jesus. If you need healing, receive healing by the blood of Jesus. Number three, pick up your daily cross. Say, it's hard. I've, it's hard being a Christian. Hey, pick up your cross and follow him. He went, he picked up his cross. Let's follow him as disciple. Tell others why they need what only a cross can provide. And remember, without a cross, you have a useless and a dead uh, religion. Stay at the foot of the cross. Let's stand, shall we? Leanne, sing the first verse. Let's just draw near to the cross tonight. Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious.
flows from Calvary's Just draw near to the Lord right now. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory Shall find rest beyond the river. Tonight I'm going to ask that Leanne would just keep singing this verses and the old hymn. I don't know if you even know it anymore or not, but Jesus keep me near the cross. Help me to take up my cross. Help me, O oh Lord, to to draw near to you. Help me to follow. Help me to tell others. Help me, Lord, tonight as we take this cup to be cleansed of my sin and my consecration renewed, O God. Lord, I pray tonight if there's people that need healing, I just pray, O God, that you might touch them as they take this broken bread. Your body was broken that we might be made whole. Lord, I ask you tonight to minister to us. May we draw near to you. Once you come to the altar and as you prayerfully are ready, come take a cup and take a piece of bread and then find a place of prayer, maybe around the front. You can go back to your seat if you want to, but I'd like for us just to spend some time alone with him and renew our covenant on this day that he's promised. When you're prayerfully ready to come, feel free to just come. So we sing another verse.